the following podcast is part of the 6040 Network. Hey there, and welcome to Everything Small Business, your shortcut to start, build, manage, and grow your small business. I'm Cherie, and today I'm interviewing our co-founder, Spencer Toogood. In this episode, we're going to ask the question, does your small business need a website? Without giving too much away, today we chat about the purpose of the site driving what you actually need, funnels, domain names, and much more. We're here with Spencer today to discuss whether you actually need a website for your business or not. And so what we thought we'd do is this comes up a lot in questions. So we thought we'd run through a couple of the top frequently asked questions that we've come across and throw them out to the specialist and see what he can come up with. So how are you doing today, Spencer? Good. Good. Thanks, Shri. Yourself? Yeah, actually, I'm really good. So, we're normally in the same spot, but today we're not. So yeah, luckily we've got technology. That's so true. Okay, so what we might do is just jump straight into these top questions, but we might not get a chance to work through all of them. Right, the first big one that comes up a lot is, do you need a website for your business? And it is a very good question because it's not a yes or no answer. I guess the first thing that you, well, if someone asks that if they need a website for their business, the first thing I guess you really need to understand what their business is and then in understanding their business, like if they're more online, if they sell products, if depending on what they do, a lot of people can get away with maybe using a Facebook page or using their Instagram account. Um, my wife does well just from through Instagram, although she does have a website to send that traffic to. So I guess, yeah, so th- there's not really a right or wrong answer. It just comes down to what their business is and then I guess what their end goal is and whether digital is a channel which can help them grow their business. You've also got like the Google business profiles now. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people could do really well just from building out that Google business profile. That's going to rank really well. That's going to come up in results, especially for trades or local businesses. So, yeah, there's not really a a yes or no question or right or wrong answer. Like it really comes down to your business, what you're wanting to do, how much you want to grow, like your capacity, what you do in your business, and then whether a website can help maybe streamline some of that. So perhaps a website through automation is kind of like a 24-7 salesperson as well. So if if you're a one or two-man band, you don't have the time to answer phones, potentially your website could be that third person who's fielding some of those questions, maybe using something like a chatbot or something like that or a frequent last question page or a variety of different things. So I guess to summarize what I'm hearing is that it really does depend upon the, the type of business it is, the size, and more importantly, the purpose that it actually needs a website. Yeah, exactly. So it, yeah, it really comes down to whether digital is a good channel to help you grow your business, where you're wanting to take your business. But then maybe sometimes it's also thinking about websites more than just a digital brochure, but like how could it be a tool or something in which you can help grow your or scale your business where you don't maybe need to take on the cost of hiring a team in your early stages or something like that. Mm -hmm. So a website can also be, yeah, I guess more than just maybe what people think of a website as well. So more than just a digital brochure? More than just a digital brochure, yeah. It can it should be your online hub. So any kind of advertising or promotion or anything that you do, you should be pointing back to that that website. Most businesses, 90% of businesses would benefit from having a website and especially with everything going, um, moving online more, potentially with everything that's happened recently, 
um, in the last couple of years and people having to work remote and maybe people starting their own businesses. Websites are a way in which, like, that's your digital storefront. So if people can't travel, at least they can still get a feel for your business and your brand and, and sort of what you stand for by visiting you online. So, yeah, actually, in talking about that, maybe I, re- I reckon, yeah, probably 95% of businesses could do with a website. But it's still I reckon a lot there. of businesses could utilise things like Google My Business, that profile, which is always going to rank pretty well, which is probably a, a different topic as well. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess that ties into a couple of ways and I guess I've written a couple of things down now because I, I want to branch the conversation. But I guess in having a website that becomes more of a portal to the world, what then, like how do you become more visible? So I guess the question there is like we hear about having to optimise for SEO, for having a website to increase for visibility, but is that actually a thing? Yes and no. <laughs> Like SEO, I guess, used to be a thing where there was all these, like, tricks that you could do and you had this white hat and black hat and grey hat. And I guess over the years, Google's got clever. So SEO still exists and you you definitely need to optimise your website so that Google can better understand what content's on the pages or what the pages it is, what your business is, so it knows how to rank you. So at the end of the day, Google basically... Is almost like a referral service. So it wants to be able to refer. If someone's using their search engine, it wants to make sure it's referring the best possible results to that person. So in order to help Google understand what your website or your business or whatever is, there are some technical and different things that you can do in which to um, help your website be optimised and rank better. In my mind, though, like that's part of the, the puzzle. That's part of the process with the SEO and optimizing your site. But for me, it's more like your content marketing. It's the content that you're producing for your prospects to, I guess, build awareness um, of what you do and the solution or the problem that you solve, um, how you're distributing it. And then there's different metrics now that, well, we don't know what Google looks at, but we assume that there's different things that Google look at in order to determine if your website is is good or not. So things like social shares and the the social interactional engagement that you have on the different content on your site, the length of the content, how long people spend reading that content, the time on the page, if they share it, if there's videos, if they play the videos. I think SEO has kind of evolved, I guess, and maybe merged. Maybe SEO people would, would have a different opinion, but there's definitely a technical aspect to it. I guess, in which you need to optimise your site, which is basically informing Google of what it is that you do, what your page is about, and then in order to build and and to improve those rankings and improve the optimization, I think that comes down to uh, like your content marketing and even part of your uh, your social media strategy and how you're pushing out some of that content and the engagement that you're getting on the different pieces of content that you produce. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obviously, a lot of the stuff that we talked about there was mostly focusing on Google search engine, and that's obviously because it's the largest one. Um, Does the same sort of things apply to the other search engines as well? So what you do to optimise for Google is would work equally well for the other search engines? Yes, pretty much, yeah. Okay. It's using, it's like using all the metadata and it's all the the code that kind of sits behind your website that informs the website, uh, the search engines and the little bots and things that they have that roam around the internet um, of what your page is, 
they're, they're getting so much clever now, I guess, with all this AI and they're kind of semi-able to read your page as well and then see the content, look at the, the different types of words. So as I said before, in the old days, like you could keyword stuff and just put, you know, things in the footer of your website where now they're getting clever enough to kind of, you know, almost read and understand the content and and understand which words are similar so you don't have to use the same word. You know, you can use alternative words or words that have a similar meaning. So, so it's almost like a contextual understanding of what your site is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a couple of things that have come up out of that then were the alternatives. So what are the alternatives that you could use to having a website? So I guess, yeah, again, that comes down to the purpose of things. So you may have heard of people talking about funnels and 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 things like that, which essentially just use a landing page uh, or a series of pages. So you might have a landing page. There might be some sort of upsell or downsell offer. Then you'll have a checkout or maybe a thank you page or a different variety. So you may not need a full-blown website that talks about who you are, your brand, your culture, and, and all those different things. So that's kind of changing as well. So you've got different platforms of things, say, like Unbounce, uh, lead pages, Insta pages. You could still use WordPress as sort of like a landing page as well. Things like click funnels. So it may be just that you want to run ads to a single page and not have that full website. You've also got things, I guess, now like HubSpot, EngageBay, even MailChimp now has like a landing page builder inside of it as well. So your CRM might also have the capacity to um create a landing page or to create something visible in which you can send traffic to to book an appointment or to get your telephone number or, you know, whatever the purpose of that page might be. You may only sell a couple of products or have a couple of services. So a simple landing page that goes, you know, from the page to a cart to a checkout will be sufficient. You you don't need to to have a 20-page website that, that goes through everything. So, yeah, so I guess you've got things like Facebook, Instagram is different kind of, things that you can use to promote your business are the Google My Business one we said before. you got different landing page builders now, which you could just build out the necessary pages just to complete the promotion. And then also now you've got your CRMs, which are kind of building in a bit of uh, functionality to um, have landing pages as well. So there are different options. And this, I guess, so this also comes back to that first question as well. So do you need a website? And so if you do need your website, what do you build it on? Because there's a heap of options there as well. Before we get to that, though, one of the things that you did talk about, and this is something that comes up, is the risks, though, of building your business based solely off like another platform. So, for example, the risks that come from building a business only off, say, Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, well, that's what I was kind of alluding to there. So, like, for me, it's a risk. So, like, well, no, it's not a risk. Like, these are pretty big companies. You assume they're not going to fold. Although Adobe had a page making uh, at a website platform that was reasonably successful, there were a lot of businesses on it, and they decided to close that. So that forced everyone that was on there then to find an alternative, which is a cost that you don't necessarily budget for or want to spend after you've already invested in a website anyway, without having to go and you know rebuild it all. So I guess yeah, that is another thing to consider when you are looking to whether you need a website or not or what it is that you need in order to achieve what you want to achieve. But do you also want to build out your business or your online or digital presence 
on someone else's infrastructure um, that you don't necessarily have control over. So what if they doubled the prices or we've seen some stuff with Facebook where, I don't know, they're getting a bit funny at times and, you know, are banning people and kicking people off in some of the, the Facebook groups that I'm in. Uh, around sort of marketing and, and Facebook advertising. There's ad accounts getting shut down over kind of little things, which I think must come back to the fact that they use AI or bots first before they get a human involved. So, you know, things get shut down. You've then got to go through the process of asking someone to, to look at it before, you know, you can get reinstated. So, yeah, to me, they're all little or big risks, I guess, if you're an e-commerce platform or you're relying a lot on digital and, you know, that digital presence generates, I don't know, 60 to 80% of your, your business, but then all of a sudden it gets shut down or taken away or your prices increase or something happens and that's kind of completely out of your control. So for me, that is a bit of a risk in where you want to invest your money online. And I think, too, sometimes the use of what are their, like, their banned words, for want of a better term. I mean, yeah. I know that we've spoken uh, at times of some of the difficulties you've had for ad placement um, for Lose Business and for, you know, a number of your other clients that they're completely legitimate businesses, but because of some of the words that they use, it's problematic. It is. For example, one is a clinical trial business. So we do have a bit of trouble at times when we're in um, lead generation for participants to join in the studies, depending on some of the the words that we use. And um, there's nothing bad in there at all. And everything always goes through ethics approval prior to be able to go on these other platforms. But it's it's amazing some of the words that they they pick fault with that are just, you know, we probably said them in this conversation. Mm. That's sort of how, yeah, picky they can be. So with something then, like coming back to the website, what's the difference between a website and, say, an e-commerce site like Shopify? So Shopify is a CMS and it's specific around e-commerce. So the beauty about Shopify is that it's easy to set up a website, to add your products, the integration into things like Facebook and Instagram if, you, if you've got it. Uh, so it's e-commerce, so if you're selling products you can connect it into your um, Facebook catalogs and your Instagram catalogs so you can start tagging your different so if you've got t-shirts for example and you've got a photo of people on the beach and they're wearing your t-shirts you can tag those t-shirts and it's a nice lifestyle picture you know it's not just like a standard picture so um, things like that are really it, it makes it easy for someone that's not too technical to be able to set that up reasonably easily and, and get going the alternatives to that, I guess there are some dedicated e-commerce platforms like Magento that you could set up as your own hosted thing, but then they become more complicated. They're a little bit more clunky, I think, and they're not used as much. So if you want to get a developer to help you customise it, you're going to be paying quite a bit if you can find them. And a similar thing with Shopify, I want to say, there's probably not as many developers out there So maybe customising is a little bit kind of expensive as well. Okay. I guess alternatives to things like, well, you've got Squarespace as well, which is... But is that more um, of a page builder? It is a page builder, but it's a similar sort of thing and you can add your products to it, you can add your catalogue to it, it's got a payment gateway. That's actually pretty cool if you've got point of sale sort of stuff or if you're, 
you sell services, so you see people in person. The lady I go to from sports massages, she uses Squarespace, so you can actually, you know, she can promote her services online, but you can pay with your phone or your, your credit card there using the little square device. So that there's cool little things like that. There's also other things, I guess, like, so WordPress is what they call CMS, which is the content management system. That's not really built for e-commerce. It, it was it was started as a blogging platform uh, many years ago, but it's evolved now to be really more than that. I think it's something like 28 million websites online with, with WordPress, so which is about 43% of, of websites online. So WordPress has something called, uh, has a plugin or an add-on called WooCommerce, and then that's got other plugins as well. So you can set up your own e-commerce store where you own the infrastructure as such. If you wanted to move that between hosting companies, you could do that quite easily by using something like WordPress with WooCommerce, and then they've got some different add-ons to enhance WooCommerce as well. But I guess some other things like you need to consider when you go into a sort of a closed environment is they can kind of be cost effective to start with to get you up and running, especially say if you're starting a business. But then later on, if you want to start doing other things or you you need in shop of either they called apps, but if you need to purchase other apps or subscribe to other apps to enhance the functionality of your website, and that could be little things like uh, the connection through to your Facebook store that might cost you a couple more bucks each month. Connecting um, through to Google Merchants if you want to run Google display ads or a dynamic ads with your products. Australia Post if you want to look at dispatching stuff. So there's a whole range of different things that are even connecting to say um, like stock management kind of sites as well. So or, or your warehouse. So there's lots of different kind of other things to consider and each one of those costs money. So something that might look attractive at the beginning might end up costing you more, you know, considerably more each month later on. And then depending on how much you've invested into that, you may be reluctant to move and you may be kind of stuck paying that, you know. And then all of a sudden there's also the things they might want to increase their fees or they might decide to close shop. So you've kind of built your whole presence and, and business on someone else's infrastructure okay so how much then could somebody do themselves when creating their own website so you could jump onto something like shopify wix squarespace even wordpress.com you could set up a website pretty quickly there's a lot of instructions online so if you've been and um, registered your domain name um, you could easily uh, point that to your new website it may use a basic template. You know, it may look pretty sort of uh, the same as everyone else if you, you might not need customization. So, but that might that might be perfect enough to get you going. So um, if you're a little bit tech savvy, there's no reason really why you couldn't sort of create a website yourself. Okay. And at what point? Then, then I've done it for the last 20 years. So <laughs> I may have forgotten. <laughs> so at what point that. then would you say you recommend people just hire a developer? And do they need a developer? I uh, yeah, and no, good questions again. So it really comes back to those first things, like what is your business and what are you trying to achieve? So I, I'll use WordPress again as an example because that's basically what I've used for 99% of, of websites. When I say WordPress, so that 
the basic WordPress thing will enable you to create a page, like maybe like an About Us or where you might list your services. And then if you wanted to blog or write articles or publish content, they've got um, the blogging side, which is posts and things like that. If you want your website to do more than that, you can search and buy plugins. So um, WooCommerce that I mentioned before is a plugin that adds an e-commerce functionality to the website. So it now becomes an e-commerce store. You can get anything from event calendars to booking calendars to um, uh, intranets to, to, to anything. So 95% of the time, you may find a plugin that's going to do what you want it to do. What I do find, though, is that sometimes people need to change their business model or the way that they conduct business in order to fit the way that a plugin's been developed. So depending on what your business is, where you want to take it and, and what you need to do and all those sort of things, you may want to get a developer because you might want to create a piece of functionality that suits your workflow or that suits your processes or, you know, it's going to help your business grow and you don't want to have to adapt to something else. Depending on where you are in your business, if you're starting out and you're on a limited budget, you could probably get up and running on a, some, with the WordPress site. Um, you could even still engage a developer to maybe customise some things to sort of get it a bit more um, tailored to your brand or to customise some functionality. But if you're, say, a larger business and you've got some pretty specific business processes, your website is going to be quite a core feature of your business model that's going to help you scale and, and do different things. You might want to uh, bring on a developer earlier and maybe custom build something. So how would you generally keep costs low if you do bring a developer on early like that? Does it come down to how you give them instructions or is there stuff that people can put together to make that transfer of knowledge easy? A couple of things, I guess, there is one, the type of a developer that you need. So there are different developers and they're developers with different knowledge. So say, for example, your business, say you wanted to use something like WordPress as the base so you can manage it yourself and you wanted to bring a developer on to, to build something. Um, and I'll be careful here because I'm not saying Word, like WordPress developer, a great WordPress developer is still amazing. But as I said, with WordPress, you know, being 43% of the websites online, the competition with WordPress developers is probably, there's quite a lot of competition, which is good for us as it might be easier to find a developer that could fit within your budget. If you're building something a little bit um, different, say you're using React or, you know, like what we're doing, 6040, is more customised, the, the technology that you're using, uh, you're probably going to need someone who's a bit more specialist. I would say first to keep the costs down before you go and engage a developer, and even if you don't really know what you're doing, I would still try and map out what it is you're wanting to achieve as best you can. Um, some sort of flow to show, you know, how you expect something to work or in your mind how you would like to see something to work. Um, you could probably write down a couple of scenarios anyway on, on like how you would expect a user to use your website. They're a really good way to, or stories, so they're a really good way to um pass the knowledge to a developer on, on how you see someone using your website. So, you know, it could be um, I want them to, to click here. They're going to register here. These are the fields or the data that I would like to capture here. You know, we need their name, first name, last name, email, 
Um, I want to know their role in the business and what company they, they work for. You know, after there, I'd like them to go to a page where they can select their membership levels or, you know, they're going to purchase their product. So as much as you, could, I guess, could put into a, a flow diagram and then a couple of user stories and how you think on how you would like someone to use that website, we'll help immensely in passing that knowledge on. You've also got front-end and back-end developers. So you've got people that are front-end developers who are working on the front of the site, how it looks, how it, um, what you see, the uh, different transitions, the colour, everything basically that you see when you look at a website or, or your app. And then you've got the back-end developers who are working on the code and, and making everything work. Again, it sort of comes down to what it is you're trying to, to do. If it was something complex, you might even bring on some UX designers first just so that the um, the user experience is it is really good for people that are going to be using your website as well. So it sounds like it's a bit of a, a team effort with actually building a site. Who would you generally say is on a team when coming together? Like who writes the words on the site? Who makes the pictures? Um, who does the layout? Like is that for the business owner to do or that's the designer or is that the developer? Like how, how, did the, how does everybody come together to work to deliver a site? It's a great question. Again, it comes down to your budget. You can go to an agency and in an agency, generally they'll have maybe an account manager or a project manager that's sort of looking after you. Then they'll have a designer who's working on the design. Well, actually, first they might have a UX designer that's working on wireframes and how the website's going to flow and how different things are going to work. Then you might bring in the graphic designer who does the visuals. Um, your front-end developer will then get it and put together the front of the site to, on how that's going to work. The back-end developer will be doing the codes to on how you know on how the back-end works, connecting it to databases and, and different things like that. Bigger agencies and bigger budgets might even then have testers as well, so people who are then come in and try to break the website, then you fix it. <laughs> so then, you know, hopefully it doesn't break when it gets launched in the real world. Um, and then you might have also, like you say, the content writers as well who are writing the sales page so that the, the language um, is, well, actually in taking that a step further, the marketers who may have worked on the, the customer avatars and stuff like that. So ensuring that the, the design and the look and feel, the, the language that's being used, everything is targeting your target or the, the business's target market. So, yeah, you don't want to go to all that effort and build something that's not going to be communicating to the people that you're trying to sell your products or services to. Mm -hmm. In a smaller budget, there are people out there, I guess, that work with small business that are able to sort of multi-skilled so they can sort of look at the design, they have some development skills, they may have some, you know, partnerships with other businesses that look after the design or marketing or content writing and things like that so they can sort of come together to deliver that project depending on, on what it is. So, and sometimes the business owner needs to get their hands dirty, I guess, depending on budgets, do as much as they can, get you to a point that, you you know, you turn, you've got cash flow and you can bring in people at different stages to, you know, to update stuff. And I guess on that too, even just things like updating will depend upon the choice that you make about how you approach the website build, whether you use a, like a page builder or you use a platform or whether you go with something like a WordPress site. Exactly. So actually just even going back to something you asked at the beginning, like with optimising your website for SEO and things like that, a big, I think it's a big thing is the website performance. So sometimes these page builders 
they're really cool because you can do anything you need to do. Like if you want things to scale or flash or move or turn or, you know, glow or, you know, all different kind of effects. The only problem with that is, is you're adding additional code to your website. Also, the website, the page builders have a lot of code that you don't necessarily need. If performance and speed and the usability is like a, it's going to be a big thing for you, you might bring on a developer so that you only have the specific code that you need in order to do what you want it to do. With page builders, you, you know, they've got accordions, video players, tons of stuff in there that you might not be using, but that's still getting loaded or that's still kind of sitting there. Um, so that can impact on the speed, on the performance, the memory that your servers and everything need. And that is a, to me, that's a big factor with SEO because it's, if someone's waiting like one, two or three seconds for your site to load, nowadays they'll probably just hit the back button and go to your competitor because, you know, they had to wait too long. I think Amazon had worked it out down to like what every second people waited was costing them in a, in a value and it was a significant enough value that, you know, they were trying to get the seconds down so or milliseconds even. So, I get, yeah, I guess it's, it's all intertwined. <laughs> depending on what it is you want to do, what your business is, where you want to take your business as well. I guess you want to make sure that the infrastructure or the structure that your website's built on is going to last and goes to where you want it to go. If you build an MVP, something like this might be cool for you to build something quick, test, get the the results that you need to validate the idea and then maybe go and engage developers and things like that in the future. But yeah, I mean, there's so much really if you think about it as well. Like we're at such an interesting time where uh, blockchain technologies are starting to become, you know, more of a thing, and and that 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 will continue over the next couple of years. So lots to consider, I guess, depending on where you want to go. <laughs> so I guess one of the other things is like what could actually go wrong when trying to set up a website. Everything. Um, <laughs> Not planning properly would probably be the biggest thing. And it probably comes back to the question you said before, like how do you communicate what you want and how do you ensure that the developer or the company knows what you're after? And I guess, you know, that that's something we've experienced at, at times with our lessons learned, lessons shared. And even, you know, it can be difficult because you can still do meetings, documents and everything like that. So. I guess the, the biggest thing would be not planning or getting that communication right and then a developer going so far down a, a particular way. Um, and maybe it is you, it's just that you haven't asked or you've forgotten something you wanted to do or not put in that, that forethought because it can be difficult to maybe implement some other functionality later that would have been easier at the beginning, um, if that makes sense. So I guess really spending some time at the beginning thinking about what you want it to do, how you want it to behave and the um, behaviours that you're expecting to see and really communicating that and maybe even asking for a reverse brief just to be super clear so that everyone's on the same page. And what about things like domain names? Are they easy to get, easy to control? Domain names are easy to get. The one you want may not be easy to get. (laughs) Um, So registering a domain name, that there's plenty of places you can go and register a domain name. 
I like Venture IP. That's a really good Australian company. You got people like GoDaddy, Namecheap. So there's a whole host of places where you can register. The biggest thing, and I guess this is even maybe a pre-website thing, when you're going through and picking your brand or your business names, going through and maybe checking to see what domain names are available, even things like your social media profiles, have they been taken so that there's no point going in and registering a domain name, but there's a you know there's no social profiles and, and things. So a domain name will cost anywhere. Oh, I mean, it should cost you around 20 bucks, give or take. If someone's got the domain name that you want, and there's a lot of people out there that have gone out and just registered 100 names that just sound good, um, and they sell them. And, you know, it could be anything from... A thousand to ten to twenty thousand, like it, it all comes down to the value that it is for you. So maybe ten years, no, maybe fifteen years ago, we did the branding for a regional town in Southwest uh, WA, um, and someone had gone out and registered all the towns, Australian towns, as .dot coms. So we paid ten grand to to buy that off him. So so it all comes down to what the value is to you, though, because there's there's no kind of pricing structure for it so what if um what if you lose the domain like login as long as you've registered it's not too bad if someone else has registered it for you um it can be a bit of a headache so when you do go and register your domain name it's good to document everything and keep it somewhere safe so you know um even if you're getting a company to register for it register your domain name for you, ensure that they put down your contact details. They can put down their contact details as the technical contact, but still have yours in there so that your name's still, you know, connected to it. Um, so what's the difference then between a domain name registration and hosting? Uh, so host, so domain name basically is just what points to your website as such instead of having an IP address of, you know, a, a whole range of numbers. So your domain name basically points to an IP address where your website's hosted. So hosting's different. That's, I guess, where you store the files and the images and the media of your website. Some companies, I'll I'll use Venture again, Venture IP. So they'll do hosting and domain names. So you can do both at the same place. You might use something like Amazon Web Services. So depending on how complex you want something um, and you need to scale your businesses so you you want a different sort of hosting environment. Just with the hosting environment and at that first question again with optimising your website. And and this is, I guess, where I find SEO, it's everything. It's not just kind of just a few different things. Like it's kind of the sum of a lot of things. So with web hosts, there's different levels. So a company like WP Engine, which is very good for that, you know, they they specialize in hosting WordPress websites. With them, you might pay $50 a month. Or you could go to GoDaddy or something like that and find some budget hosting for $3 a month. You know, that's a, a substantial difference in, in the hosting costs. But the performance of the website is going to be completely different as well. So you go to somewhere like, so say WP Engine, we'll talk about uh, the 6040 websites with WP Engine. When you set up your hosting with them, you get a production site, a staging site, and a development environment. So you get these three different environments in which you can um, build your website on. So the production site is what people see, you know, which is live for everyone to, to use. You've got your staging environment, which is, pretty much the same as your production site, but that's where you're testing everything and, you know, 
Um, if it breaks, it doesn't matter because that's not the live site. And then you've got the development side, which the developers are, are you know, doing all their um, coding on. So while that might be, you know, considerable more per month than the $3 one, you won't get that with the $3 one. It's also probably on a shared server and that's how they can do it for $3 because there's another 10,000 or 1,000 websites on there. So all those websites are trying to use the same resources as your website. And then you've got a slow website, it's page speed slow, the usability is not very good and your rankings will drop. And not even worrying about your rankings, um, your conversion rates, people aren't going to wait 10 seconds for every time they press a button if they're trying to buy something. They'll just go to your competitors. So, um, yeah, so hosting basically is where you your website lives, where, where you can connect and where you work on your files and store your files. Um, and your domain name is literally just what will point to your hosting. Okay, awesome. I think that's pretty much covered off the big ones that we sort of see continuing to come up. And... I really, I mean, a couple of key takeaways there really. So I definitely like the one about not putting too much or not investing too much in perhaps a second, like somebody else's infrastructure because it can be taken away. So being able to have a way to take them into your environment where you can capture their details so that you can continue to have a business, even if that first site does close or you get booted off or they don't like the words that you use anymore, you know, like, um, you know, tattoos and, and medical uh, terms particularly or health-related terms. So, I mean, that's certainly going to but be... even anything one. crypto, which is, a you know, that's an emerging technology, but you can't really promote it as such. Mm-hmm. Like it's a bit of a, I guess, because it's a bit unregulated or whatever, but not everyone's trying to be dodgy or do, you know, I guess it's just that rule that, you know, affects everyone, but it's like targeting the 1% or 2%. But yeah, just on that, I guess this, this isn't a web thing, but... Sort of said at the beginning, like your website's like your digital hub, I guess, where you should store everything. And and I guess that kind of goes the same with social media as well. Like, you know, people want likes and page follows and all that sort of stuff, which is really cool. They're all good metrics and all that's fine. But you should be looking to move the people that are engaging with you on social media onto your email list or onto your website or sort of kind of getting them away from there so that, again, you know, you might have a group with 10,000 people and it's generating good leads for you, but it gets shut down because someone in there says the wrong thing and, you know, you've just lost that lead source. So I think that's important, isn't it? Because at the heart of it, clicks and likes aren't money in the bank. It's no. you need a way to be able to monetize this to truly have a business. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure that there'll be some extra things that come up out of this, um, probably actually more to do with how. You would go about finding a developer that suits your needs or uh, I guess building the team because as we know, it's always the who, not the how. So you don't necessarily want to be spending the time building it or learning how to build it. Your time is probably better spent elsewhere. But building that team is critical because that's what's going to help you achieve the business goals. Definitely. Okay. Well, thank you heaps for your time today. And if we've got any extra questions, we'll be sure to let you know. No problem at all. Hopefully I didn't ramble too much. It is such an intertwined thing, like it's peeling an onion because once you touch on something, like it does affect everything else. A hundred percent. Well, that's everything small business for today. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to stay up to date with our show, please subscribe or follow in your favourite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. 
If you know someone who might enjoy this podcast, please share it with them or share it on your socials and tag us. Until next time, this is Everything Small Business.